Hello, and welcome to season two of the Revenue Marketing Report powered by Caliber Mind. Our goal on the RMR is to help marketers move from subject matter experts to strategic business partners. I'm your host, Kamala Thompson, and today I'm thrilled to introduce Fred Joyle. Fred, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, it's great to be on the show, Kamala. My background is deep in marketing. I started back in the 80s working at an ad agency as a copywriter, then branched out and started a company called 1-800-DENTIST, which uh, I ran for the next 30 years or so, sold it about five years ago. But over that time, we spent about a half a billion dollars in advertising, uh, most of it television, some of it radio, and then a lot of other media that we tried. So we were essentially a, a marketing agency for a few thousand dentists across the country. And now what I do is consult with businesses on their strategy, their vision, their marketing approach, as well as everything else I learned, you know, running a business for 30 years. You make a lot of mistakes in 30 years and you can usually help people <laughs> to not make the same ones. So and I've written a book called Super Bold, which is how to cultivate the superpower of boldness in a systematic way, which is something I had to learn myself. So that's been my latest passion project. Yeah. And I have heard you used to be painfully shy. And it's very hard for me to picture that because I've just met you recently and you're very, you're a dynamic speaker and well stated. So would love to pick your brain on how other people can use that knowledge to help transform how they approach their own career. It's extremely valuable in business today. You have to be good on your feet. You have to be confident and persuasive with your ideas. If you're working in marketing, I mean, I, I remember back when I was pitching ideas to clients in an ad agency is half of it of the selling of it was how energetically and passionately and articulately I pitched the campaign that we wanted them to produce that, you know, produce for the company. As you said, I started out as an incredibly shy person. I, I couldn't ask a girl on a date. I couldn't even make a phone call when a guy tried to hire me to work for his business. And I, I couldn't cold call at all. I couldn't dial a phone. I missed just tons of opportunities and realized that hesitation and underconfidence was impairing me from experiencing life. And uh, to the fullest and and having fun and meeting people and, and getting ahead. And so I was watching bold people all the time because I would meet them and I'd say, why do they like this? I mean, what What's the <laughs> deal with them? Are they genetically like this? Are they born this way? But And then I realized I just started to emulate them. And it, even though it made me uncomfortable and I gradually built up my confidence and boldness steadily. And then I just started learning things. I, I took improv classes. I took acting classes. I actually did stand up for about a year. Those kind of things, they build up your, your boldness muscle and confidence muscle because most people are terrified of those things. And once you do them, you realize how they get done and it, it rewires you. So I, I put a book together as a systematic approach to doing it very compressed from the decades I spent doing it into a systematic way that you can start applying it and building your boldness muscle so that in 90 days you're radically different and you have a system for doing it and never miss out on opportunities. If you have a situation 
where you you're feeling underconfident, you know what to do. You know how to get out of that blockage, that mindset and step up and chase your dreams, chase, chase the person, chase the opportunity and have fun, have, have, but the, the point is you'll have five or six times in your life where, where it, it will be critical that you step up or you speak up or you take this opportunity because it's the window's going to close and you're going to want to have the ability to do that. And that's what this book gives you. That's what super boldness is, is you can call on it when it matters most. Because a lot of people are confident until it matters. And then they crumble. They're confident with their friends. They're confident at work. They're outgoing. And then all of a sudden, when it really matters, they get nothing. They clam up. They hold back. They, the voice in their head tells them, you're not worthy. You don't belong here. You're not good enough. And they listen. And it stops them. Yeah, negative self-talk is just the worst. I can relate so much. I was so shy growing up, and obviously I'm not anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I think there were a few key turning points. Like, at a certain age, you realize that everybody's so worried about themselves. The amount of mental real estate they give you is actually pretty fractional. So even if you do something super embarrassing, they're not going to remember it as long as you do, unless it was super, super epic. And then at that point, you just own it. (laughs) And you're the one carrying it around, playing it over and over in your head. They're not playing your movie over and over. And they're thinking about themselves just like we are. And so when, when you release yourself from that, it's a huge insight. To to realize that people are not thinking about you anywhere near as much as you think they are. And also calculate whose opinion you really care about. Because, you know, when we're underconfident and shy, we are like, oh, everybody's going to laugh at me. And it's like everybody, uh, you know, I I guarantee you half the people aren't even going to notice you. Right. And, And if they don't know you, why would you worry about their opinion? This is bold people. Don't worry about everybody's opinion. Yep. They worry about their dreams, what they're trying to achieve, the difference they're trying to make. And that's where their energy goes. And that's where their brain goes. And that's where their self-talk goes. It's like, I got to get there. I got to try this. I got to make some discoveries here. I got to fail upward. So I think we're seeing a bit of a shift in the market and how marketing operations is perceived. It used to be non-existent. And then we got marketing automation tools and all this digital technology, and then we needed somebody in place. But I think a lot of people out there still feel like they're kind of operating in a vacuum within the marketing department. The marketing department only comes to them when they urgently need something because they're not involving them early in the process. And they don't really understand what they do day to day and how busy they are. What opportunities do you see there to start kind of taking ownership of your own story. One of the things that real confidence allows you to do is be very comfortable offering feedback in taking feedback and bragging about yourself in a in a humble sort of way. You you have to be comfortable saying, you know, letting people know what you've accomplished. And you've got to find a workplace where they are going to listen to you. Because if that's not happening, one, you're going to be really unsatisfied in your job. And two, they're not going to pay you what you're worth. And you're not going to get better because you're not integrated in in helping the business. You will have less impact. So what I recommend is you just, one, find a place where they're open to listening to you. 
and be get good at, at offering clear, concise, unemotional critique and, and input to the business so that so that the business is benefiting from you. And that's the pitch. It's like, I want to give you 100% of, of what me and my department are, are capable of. And the only way that happens is if we talk to sales on a regular basis, if we have, if the core values are clear and everybody in the whole business knows them, if the vision for the business is not some gibberish, like let's innovate. Okay. The number of people that have innovate in their mission statement, like they invented the idea. It's like, yeah, or that's like saying we're actually going to breathe at work. Of course, you're going to innovate. That's what business is. So get a little more unique than that so that your message resonates with people in a way that sticks with people and that the whole business can get behind and get excited about. One of my my good friends who runs a, a, a thousand dentist organization, they have a, a very simple vision statement, smiles for everyone. And it applies to everything. It's, it applies. He says, it's not just how we treat patients. It's how we treat each other. It's how we treat vendors. And, and he says, we start every meeting by saying, how can we generate smiles for everyone with what's, what we're talking about in this meeting? It's their true north. They just, they can aim for it all the time. If you don't have that, you're throwing stuff against the wall and, and waiting for the marketplace to f like something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It's sometimes people don't realize that internal toxicity equals external toxicity with customers. It, it's, it's one-to-one. -one. You can't act one way in <laughs> one scenario and then turn around and put on a different face or just Humans don't really function that way. So coming back to the marketing operations scenario, and I, I want to see if this resonates with you. So I've seen once a precedent is set, it's really hard to go back and change people's perceptions and behavior. So if you're very ingrained in a place of taking tickets and, and not speaking up and not contributing, it's going to be really hard to change your behavior in that environment unless you have somebody in the leadership position who's really supportive of you making that shift. Have you seen that? I mean, I'm hearing you say you should look for a place that will allow you to do that. And to me, that kind of is along the same track of getting stuck in that rut of behavior. Certainly, a lot of people are comfortable with what I call a functionary role is like they're an art director. You hand them this, say, give me a font, give me a layout, give me this. And that's what they're happy doing. Nothing uh, wrong with that. No, <laughs> those, those, we like those people. They are yes. very helpful. Yes. Um, so you have to say, what is the longevity of that job? I mean, I when I came into the ad business, we used to have to go to a font house and have them create the actual fonts that we were going to use in the print ad to give us that high resolution stuff. Now I do it on Canva. <laughs> you know, it's none, none of that stuff had to happen. So you still have to be on an evolutionary track in your job. You have to say either uh, this has to be a learning organization and I'm a learner in the organization 
or your job's going to disappear. We live in a world where jobs disappear. I mean, I, I watched the transi- tradition, transition from these guys who edited movies, which was an incredible skill. And it was all done literally cutting up strips of film. And then in two years, it flipped and those guys couldn't get a job anymore because it was all done on what they, Avids, which was the first editing system. And when directors saw that, they went like, I, I mean, I can just slide stuff around like this. That's, that's, that's fantastic. And, but, and, th- and those guys were geniuses, the editors. They would create incredible storylines. Story they were masters of that craft. It just disappeared. And plenty of them adjusted, but a whole bunch didn't. Because they said, I, you know, I, I, I don't think that's going to, you know, whenever you say that's never going to happen, you have to ask yourself why the heck you think that. Yeah, as a brand marketer and copywriter, I always kept an eye on the AI. I don't think we're there yet, <laughs> based on some of the things I've seen coming out of there. Eventually, I think we could. So I think it's important. I think what really motivated me to start speaking up and moving towards leadership roles was watching really great leaders have so much influence on their team and build them up to be successful later on in their career. And that's what I wanted to do. So if you're feeling like you need to make that shift from, you know, I'm happy. I just want to learn the technology. I'll just, you know, let's grind through this to, I want to have an impact on the people around me. That I think is a tricky maneuver if you're staying in the same company, unless you have a lot of support. Yeah. And it takes boldness to jump businesses and to jump career definitions. But otherwise, years go by. (laughs) The easiest thing in the world is to think you're going to get to something next year because it's far enough away. Yeah. It's it's like, you know, Dick's Last Resort, that food chain. They have a big sign that says free beer tomorrow. (laughs) And it's that same mindset. I will get I, I can get to that. And suddenly you're 25 to and 35 and 45 and you haven't gotten to it. But stuff is things are obsoleting you all around. And somebody younger than you is going to say, I want to become a leader. I want to learn what it takes. And it takes boldness to lead. It takes boldness to learn how to lead because you have to admit you're not great at a lot of stuff. I'm still learning how to lead. I read a, led a company for 30 years. We had a fantastic culture, but I got better and better and better because I, I was never a CEO of anything else. So I had to train myself and be really honest with my weaknesses or really open to people telling me what I wasn't good at. And I, I like that you keep bringing up accepting feedback. I think there's a trick to accepting it without taking it personally and trying to figure out how you're going to fit it into your way of life. Something we talk a lot about on this podcast is influencing without authority. A lot of times marketing operations is given a large project that touches multiple teams and it's their responsibility to get everybody working in the same direction. What are some high level things that people can try to get people aligned with them? I think one of the most powerful things that you can do is figure out how to connect with that person first as a human being rather than as a role that you're, you know, a component of the project and a contributor of some material for that 
project. One, I talk a lot in my book about human interaction skills, which we don't learn very well. But and one of the things I talk about with a very specific technique is how to make the person you're talking to feel like the most important person in the room, the most interesting person in the room. When you can do that, you have tremendous persuasive leverage with that person because they've opened themselves to you because you found them interesting. And part of it is you have to find people interesting. <laughs> you can't just <laughs> you can't fake that. You gotta you gotta genuinely say in various forms, tell me more about yourself. And that's this is the other thing that people don't. It's the simplest three words that you can use that transform interactions with people is when they open up and they start to tell you something about themselves. They say, you know, I got kids, they're, they're both heading off to college and, you know, wondering how, how I'm going to pay for that. That's great. Okay. Now what I need you to do is, you know, we get three billboards we have to have done by Friday. No, that's not what you do. You say, wait a minute, tell me, tell me more about this. Tell me more. And, and, and just find out. And they say, tell me more about it. like, what, what colleges are your kids talking about? Well, that's the problem. They haven't picked one. Uh, well, you know, I went to Boston college and I was wasting all my money. And so I left and went to a state college and found that the college professors there were more attentive. That's interesting because I'm trying to get my son to go to a state college. That takes about three minutes but the dynamic of the whole relationship has changed. And you say, we're really trying to get these billboards out. And this, we're, we're stuck on a couple of these lines. Can you help us with that? How do you, what's, what do you think is not working here? Oh, well, let's talk about it. Yeah. But you're working with people. Why are you thinking you're not working with people? And that, those are the worst leaders is that everybody has their it's like everything's a giant vending machine that they're pushing the buttons to get what they want. People don't feel valued at all. It takes boldness to say you need to get better as a leader. I had to get really good at telling people I make this a great place to work and you need to get better at it every day and you need to bust ass while you're here. It took me a while to do that. I thought if I create a great place to work, they'll go crazy and, and give me everything they got. Some will <laughs> and some won't. Some won't. This is easy. I love this job. He's Fred's never demands anything. Well, I in my mind, I'm demanding something. So, you know, when you're one of the things team members, people that are being led really want is clarity of what's expected of them. And it's it, you can expect a lot as long as you're clear about it. But if you haven't laid out your expectations and then you're disappointed when they don't achieve them, you actually have yourself to blame, not them, because they're doing maybe what they think you wanted or what's more fun to do or or they they're more capable of doing. You know, and just, you know, in terms of feedback and in terms of not taking feedback personally, I remember as a young copywriter, I had written this radio spot and, and my uh, creative director said, it's not, I don't like it. It's not funny. I said, wait a minute. Are you telling me I'm not funny? He said, no, I'm not telling you you're funny. The spot's not funny. Yeah. In an instant, I learned to separate myself from my creative. Yeah. And I learned to, you know, I learned that, you know, for, for every good piece of creative, you're going to create five to 10 pieces of crap. <laughs> 
or 50, depending on how hard it is. And actually, that was my process is I was like, I'm going to get all the crap out of the way first because I know it's I have to get through it to the good stuff. There's no circling around to be brilliant in the first shot. And it's still what I'm doing. I'm very, you know, I speak all over the country, you know, and I'm creating my own presentations and I'm creating the, the ideas for my audience interaction. All of that stuff is trial and error and saying that's not good enough to myself. It's a really powerful thing to be able to say instead of, oh, I, I, I think I've done enough. What you find is the more you demand of yourself creatively, the more you'll come up with. Yeah, it's amazing how much content you can crank out. It's not going to be a home run every time, but if you are thoughtful and learn from it, you're just always improving. So just wanted to uh, reiterate some things I'm hearing here. So first, connect with people personally. I know a lot of introverts are not super good at small talk, but it's it's something people do for a reason. I had to be coached into going to networking events and hanging out with peers face to face. It's super important. Now I coach people to do the same thing. Yeah. Uh, small talk has a negative connotation. It's like, no, you don't start with big talk. You don't say who died recently that, you know, that's not <laughs> how you start a conversation. The reason why you talked about the weather is it's fairly harmless. But, that, you know, a lot of what I talk my my book is full of exercises that teach you how to interact with people starting at a very basic level. Mm-hmm. And so that you can walk up to any stranger and start a conversation and it could go on for 20 minutes or it could just be a quick compliment and you're off. But you develop that life skill. When people say I'm shy, it's like, no, you're not shy. You behave in a shy way sometimes. Yeah. And it's not helping. And you're it's not you know, it's not helping you. And so you've said, well, you know, I'm an introvert. Oh, that's great. Is that helping that label? Or do you just are you do, it's, it's safe to feel introverted? And, you know, a lot of people they label as extroverts are actually just very insecure and, and just need to get attention. What you want is real confidence about who you are as a person and the boldness to put that into action. That's what boldness really is, is your confidence putting you into action where you're probably going to be uncomfortable, where you're going to be at risk, where you feel challenged. And this is a shift you can make and, you know, stop defining yourself in ways that aren't helping you just so you can be comfortable with it. Try something else on for size. I mean, if people say, are you an introvert? I'll say, yeah, I'm a bold introvert. And they go, that doesn't make any sense. I said, yeah, to you, <laughs> it doesn't. To me, it does. Because there are times when I feel like I don't belong and I talk myself out of it and I walk into a situation and and behave like I belong there. And you know what? So does everybody else, because <laughs> that's the way I'm behaving. Yeah, it's a it's a spectrum, too. You know, like it just because you're introverted doesn't mean you can't move towards the middle and learn some new tricks. So uh, in addition to reading the book, uh, people should consider joining Toastmasters. It's a great way to learn how to speak publicly, uh, take some improv classes, um, and maybe sit in a sales position or do some prospecting for a while. And that'll build the old accepting rejection without taking it personally muscle. <laughs> yeah. Well, then one of the, the steps I talk about in the book is, is 
controlling the dosage of the experience. As you expand your confidence and boldness, you're moving into your discomfort zone. Don't make giant leaps in. Yeah. Make incremental leaps. A lot of what I, the, the design of the exercises is the same as the way you learn to do improv comedy. It, it starts at a nonverbal level and you build up and up and up to the point where you can create scenes on stage with three other people with an audience suggestion with nothing prepared. Now, you can't start that way. You can't do that probably in the first year of doing it, but you will get better and then you'll suddenly realize, oh, this this is the technique to this. And a lot of it is just trusting the creativity and staying relaxed inside. All of these things are things anybody can learn how to do. If you control the dosage of the experience as as you develop it, but you'll get if you focus on it, doing something every day towards it. If you just say, I'm going to talk to a stranger every day, that alone will change your life because you'll realize it's pretty easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, and you'll get exposure to more personalities, and it may even impact your perception. I really like what you're saying, because I think the key to sustainability is incremental change in so many things, almost all things. So I really appreciate that about your approach. So Fred, thank you so much for being on. Where can people buy your book and find you online? So I'm on Amazon in hardcover. Super Bold is in Kindle and in Audible as well. And it's me reading the book. And my website is fredjoyle.com where you can download the first chapter of the book. I also do keynotes and, and executive coaching. You can find out all about that on the website as well. If you're reading the book in some sort of or listening in a digital form, you can download the exercises from the website, which is because you're going to want the physical exercises. And it's about doing stuff. This isn't a book just to read. You're going to get good insights reading it. But the real transformation happens when you do the stuff. Yes. Yes. Practice makes perfect muscle memory. I love it. So thank you for listening, listeners out there. If you enjoyed the podcast, the video blog, go ahead and hit subscribe. Tell a couple friends. It makes a difference. And for more great content like this, check out calibermind.com. <laughs>